I am very glad to be in church this morning. Uh, I have, have just been looking forward to this uh, for a, uh, well, actually for an entire year, actually, uh, what we're talking about today. Uh, I want to I say thank you to all the moms out there. Um, I also want to let you, let you uh, know that there, this is not the best day for some people. Uh, we want to remember uh, people who, this may be their first Mother's Day without their mom. Uh, they may have uh, lost their mom, uh, and they're missing that, that mom today. There may be some, uh, uh, some mothers out there. My wife's one of them who's lost children, has a child in heaven, and, and this is, day is a, is a uh, reminder of that. Um, also want to lift up the, the women who would love to be moms but for some reason can't. Uh, we, we, we understand that today is a tough day for you, and we are, we are with you, and uh, we don't want to take away from the celebration uh, that's been going on, but we also want to just remember those folks today. And if, that, if you're in one of those categories where this is just a tough day for you, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're not hiding somewhere. I'm glad you're with your church family, and this is where you need to be so we can encourage you. We love you very, very much. Um, what we're talking about today, we're in a series. Uh, th- those of you who don't know me, my name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here, and we're in a series called Loving God with Our Minds, and we're in part four today. This is the three lies that Satan tells us, and the main thing today is this. Don't structure your life around that which is false. When I was little, I grew up with the image of you know, Satan sitting on one shoulder, a little comic figure with a pitchfork and red tights, and, and an angel sitting on, and they were both kind of whispering in your ear, and you had to decide which one you're going to follow. How, how many of y'all grew up with that image? In your, yeah, okay. What I realized, though, is that it's a lot different than that. How many uh, 24 fans we have in here? Jack Bauer, 24. Okay, my, my wife and I, we're, we're, this is how ahead of the game we are. We just got done watching that. Uh, we, 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 we watched the final season. And in the final season of 24, the, uh, uh, long story short, the president of the United States has basically decided to give his life uh, for, uh, and, and he's sitting out there in the middle of a field in, in London, and the terrorists want to nuke him with a drone. And so uh, the terrorists have, see from the drone the president standing there, and they think the president is standing there. What happened? The CIA had actually hacked their screen, and were sending them false images. The terrorists believed that the president was there, and they launched a missile and destroyed it, but they weren't seeing what was right. They had hacked, the CIA had hacked the screen of the terrorists and they were feeding them false information. And as I saw that, I thought to myself, man, that is life. That is what Satan does to us. He hacks our screen and then he sends us false intel. He sends us things that aren't real and that are lies and we believe them. We think we're seeing and hearing. We think it's the truth, but it's not. It's a lie. Right here, right now today, there are people joining us online and sitting in here whose screens have been hacked, and you are believing that which is false because Satan has hacked your screen. You're being, you're being sent the wrong information. You're believing lies. And not only are you believing lies, but you're basing your actions and your opinions of the people around you, maybe it's your place of work or your family or in your church family, on those lies. 
See, Jesus didn't pull any punches when he described Satan. He said this in John 8, 44. He was talking to some Pharisees that, that were giving him a hard time. He said this, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And he speaks these lies to us every day. He only needs three. He, he sends us three lies. And he doesn't need any more than that because he's so dadgum effective. Because we believe him. He doesn't need 50. He only needs three. Because he's been derailing us since time began. And what are these three lies? Well, lie number one is this. You're just not good enough. You're just not good enough. Now, this is not the same concept as having Christian humility. That's not it. Christian humility doesn't mean thinking badly of yourself. It means having a high opinion of others. Humility is others-centered, okay? Uh, Philippians 2, 3 through 4 tells us, don't do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, than humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but to each of, each of you to the interests of others. Humility is others-centered. It's building other people up. It doesn't mean that you think lowly of yourself. It means that you think highly of other people. See, but this is the thing. Satan will always speak this lie. Listen, people, Satan will always speak this lie at the point that you care about something. All right, thing that you value most. You guys, I value being a pastor. I want you guys to have the best pastor possible because that's what you deserve. You all deserve a pastor who teaches the entire word of God. He's an example for you to follow. who leads you to a deeper walk with Christ daily. And the lie that Satan tells me every single day is that I'm failing you guys. I'm going to be vulnerable, you guys. I feel the, every day, I feel the weight of this lie. It just hacks my screen. And, and impersonating God's voice, you know what he tells me every day? He says this, impersonating the voice of God. So if you were a better pastor, the people in your church would be more faithful to me. If, if, you, if you could preach like so-and-so down there, there would be more people in heaven. Don't you understand what's at, at stake here? You're just not good enough. I value being a husband. I feel the weight of this lie that you're just not good enough every day. I get the sense sometimes from Rachel just dropping the ball, just not, just, just, just not good enough. Nothing said, just a thought in my heart. I remember one episode several years ago when I, I went up to her and I said, you know, I, I'm what have I done wrong? Why, 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 why do I get this feeling you're just disappointed in me as a husband? And it's amazing to say, Rachel said, I'm trying to figure out what I did wrong. I, I just get the sense that, that you're disappointed in me. And we both said to each other, well, I'm not sending that message. And all of a sudden we realized who was sending that message. And it wasn't her it wasn't me. Our screens have been hacked, you guys, and we were being sent false intel. Our screens have been hacked, like I said. See, Satan will tell you this lie, the things you value most. He won't tell you a lie about something you don't care about. He has never once told me you're just not good enough when it comes to fashion sense. I know I have no fashion sense. I don't care about fashion sense. If it wasn't for my wife and my daughters, 
I would still be wearing acid wash stuff from the 80s, okay? Because my sense of fashion stopped in middle school. I have no sense of fashion, and I, don't, I know it, and I don't care. So when Satan says, hey, you're just not good enough as a dresser, I, I know. That's not a, that's no front page news. He doesn't, he doesn't waste his time on things you don't care about. He only hits you at the things you care about. So find what you care about, and that's where this lie is hitting you right now. Pastor, husband, father, friend, those are the things I value, and those are the things that Satan speaks his lie to me about. And if you're hearing you're just not good enough, you can be sure that Satan has hacked your screen and is sending you false intel because that is not the voice of God. I want to talk to the moms in here. I've never met a mom who thinks she's doing a good job. Never, never once in my lifetime. My wife, my mom included, every, every mom I know thinks that they're just dropping the ball and because you value it so much, Satan speaks this lie to you. See if any of these sound familiar, mom. On Mother's Day, the day we're supposed to be, we're supposed to be celebrating moms and we're celebrating you guys, believe me, we are. But see if any of these sound familiar. You're just not good enough. You're just not a good mom. Ah, you lost your temper again. <laughs> See, a good mom wouldn't do that. Ah, if you were as good a mom as super mom down the street, your kids would be better dressed, be better behaved. Her kids don't act up like yours do. Yes, they do. And the one that hits Christian moms the most, this is the lie that I want to destroy today. This is the one that hits Christian moms. You're supposed to be leading your kids to Christ. And if you were better, your kids wouldn't be rebellious. That's the lie that hits Christian moms the most. You're just not good enough, mom. Satan is speaking that lie to you right now. Every mom in, in here hears that every single day because he hits you at the point that things you value the most. It's a lie straight from the pit of hell and you're listening to the father of lies instead of the father, God the Father who believes you are good enough. Line number two is this. It's everyone against you. Everyone is against you. When you listen to this lie, you can visit everybody hates you. People in your family hate you. People at work hate you. People at, at school hate you. People in your classes hate you. People in your church hate you. You think that everybody is out to get you. That it's the enemy trying to get you to mistrust everyone in your life. And even more subtle, even more subtle, you may not actually think people hate you. It's just that everyone is secretly against you. And when that, that Satan speaks that, and it, it plants in your mind like a, like a seed, like a weed, like a dandelion seed, and it grows up. And when that lie grows up, this is what it looks like. It's when that weed starts to grow, you begin to read into everything. You know, you, the, the, all those people talking over there, oh, they're probably talking about me. Probably talking about me. Um, I walked in the room. He didn't even look up and say hi. He must hate me. All my friends do everything without me. I don't get invited anywhere. Uh, I, no one likes me. All my friends do stuff without me. The truth? Well, it's possible, even likely, that someone doesn't like you. That's life. I, I mean, that, that's just the way it is. You're going to have people who don't like you. That's just, that, that's life. Okay, but it's highly unlikely that everyone hates you or is against you. I've run up against people who believe this. There's no talking to them. They really think the world is out to get them. Satan has hacked their screens and they're believing lies. 
See, Satan's finished work with this lie is to get you to make enemies out of people that would be your friends. Because you treat them badly. You treat them like they're the enemy. You treat them like they're, they're against you. And it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy that they are against you. It happened several years ago when I was in, in youth ministry. One of the high school girls had, a, had an episode, had a, a, a mental episode. She uh, uh, had a kind of emotional mental breakdown. Said some things that weren't true about her parents um, <clears throat> to me and, and, and to the elders in the church. And, and she went to live with her grandmother. Well, it was a nasty situation, but it was well contained to the staff, youth minister staff, and the elders in the church. We didn't, we didn't tell anyone in the church about it. Um, we were counseling the family and praying for them, praying over them. The parents stopped coming to church. And then, then these, these were, I called the dad, the friend of mine. They, these were some of our best friends in the church. We played cards with them. He and I worked on cars together. Uh, he, we had Saturday car fixing uh, parties where we just spent time under the hood. You know, we guys, guys having a great time just working on cars together. And I called him. That's why he hadn't been at church. This was his response. Uh, when we walk in there, we know what everyone's thinking. They're the bad parents. So we know everyone's talking about us. And I told him how untrue that was. I said, no one is talking about you. You're seeing ghosts. No one even knows. The only thing that people say is, where are these people? We, where, we miss them. They're our friends. Where are they? About two or three weeks later, he stopped taking my calls. I didn't know what happened. Turns out... Somebody told me that he had said that my wife and I were telling the church what he and I had talked about in confidence. That was untrue. I had not said a word, but he believed that. See, Satan isolated this family away from their church family, and then he began speaking. Oh, you know those people that were your friends? They're actually the ones stirring the pot. They're actually telling how bad a person you are, and they believed it. We never said a word. It was untrue, but Satan had hacked their screens and he whispered that lie that everyone's against you. To this day, we still haven't spoken. If you're hearing the lie, everyone's against you, you can be sure that Satan has your ear. And it's sending you false information. And you're in danger of creating enemies out of people that could be your friends. I think Satan's having a heyday with this lie right now. I think this is the most effective one. I've certainly experienced it. Um, I was invited in 2020 after the George Floyd riots, the race riots. I was invited by a, a, a pastor group here in Nicholsville to, to get pastors together to discuss race relations. And, I, and I, I was excited. Me and several of my friends were excited about this because what, what better group of people than pastors and spiritual leaders in our community to speak to race relations and, to, and to, to be the example of taking the gospel and applying them to race relations and, and telling people to, to treat one another as Jesus, as we would have other people a, a treat, applying the golden rule to race relations, to valuing everybody that's made in the image of God. What better group of people than pastors to do that? And I was so excited. And I went over there to the meeting with eager anticipation. <clears throat> and instead of that, I received the shock of my life. We got a two hour lecture and somebody shaking his finger at us, telling us how awful we were and how bad we were. And if we didn't get out and march in, in the streets and, and shout and holler that we were part of the problem, that we were the enemy. 
Basically, the, the thing was, you're bad and you're wrong if you don't do what we tell you to do. I never went back. Apparently, no one else did either because a few weeks later, I got a very tersely worded email from the group they put it on telling us they, 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 they knew that we didn't support them. We knew that, that they knew that we were the problem. See, they made enemies out of friends because they thought we were against them. We were willing to be friends. We were willing to, to join hands. But because they believed the lie that everyone was against them, they made enemies out of people that could be friends. Don't believe that lie. They were listening to Satan lies, and they divided the pastoral community here in central Kentucky by believing that lie, and nothing happened. The third lie is this. There's no way out. There's no way out. Things will never get better, Satan whispers to you. <clears throat> there will, things will always be this way. You've messed it up too bad for God to help you at all. There's no way out. Third lie. So what Satan says is this. The consequences of your bad decisions are catching up with you. They've surrounded you. You don't have a chance. There's no way out. You can't go back to your family. You've messed up too much. You'll never get another job. Can't go back to your friends. You'll never, no one will ever love you again. There's no way out. That's what Satan whispers to you. These are lies spoken by the father of lies. So many people, especially our young people, are believing that. But this is the truth. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says this. No temptation has overtaken you except that is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so you can endure it. The scripture says there's always a way out because God provides it. Right? God's word tells us something. Radically different than Satan's lies. Now the word tempted can also be uh, translated as tested. Okay, tested. When, when, you, are, when you are tested, uh, 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 so Satan's lies contrary to our faith. There's, says, our faith says there's always a way out. Here's the truth, people. This is God we're talking about. Let's just cut through the lies right now. Let's, 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 re, let's get our screen unhacked. This is God we're talking about. This is, a, this is the God, this is the being that spoke life into existence. And Satan would have us believing that, when, that we, in the history of humanity, somehow have gotten ourselves in a, in, a, in a situation where God is just scratching his head saying, man, I just don't know. You go to God for help, and he goes, I, I, man, I, I, don't, I don't know. It doesn't look like there's a way out for you. Believe me, Jesus has never said that to a single person. That is a lie from Satan. But there are people today that believe there's no way out. Suicides are committed by people who believe there's no way out. Some of the worst decisions ever made have been from people that believe there's no way out. Right now, I'm the abortion issue is huge this week because of the Roe v. Wade thing. And there are young women, older women, that believe there's no way out, that, that, that somehow there's, there, there, this, this child, there's just no way out of it, and I've got I've to take it. God says there's always a way out, and it's never through murder. There's always a way out. 
I'm not going to let you be tempted or tested beyond what you can bear. That's what Scripture says. So we need to believe the truth of Scripture and not the lie of Satan. If you're hearing that today, you can be sure that your screen's been hacked and you're listening to the enemy. So how do we do it? How do we deal with this? How do we destroy these lies of Satan? Well, I'm glad you asked because we're going to talk about that right now. Because the lies, you're just not good enough. Everyone's against you, and there's no way out, are so powerful in our lives, we have got to cut through them this morning. Destroying Satan's lies. Ephesians 6, 13 through 17, we go to the Word of God. Look what the Word of God tells us to do. Take this out. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with a belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Verse 17, everyone, everyone, listen. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. What does the helmet protect your mind? The helmet of salvation. We're going to take the helmet of the fact that Jesus has saved us from our sins and our past, and he is directing our future. He's directing our present. We're going to put that on to, to, uh, to destroy Satan's lies with truth. Truth number one. We heard about the lies. Truth number one is that you are good enough. Listen to what the word of God says, Philippians 4.13. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I want you to believe that. I want you to realize that. All right? You battle lies by shining the light of truth on them. So when Satan pops up into your, hacks your screen, says you're just not good enough, I want you to ask him a simple question. I want you to ask yourself a simple question. Well, how, how good is good enough? How will you know you're a good mom? How will you know you're a good friend? How will I know I'm a good pastor? See? My wife constantly struggles with what all moms struggle with, not being a good mom. I told her once, you're holding yourself to an impossible standard. We don't even know what a good mom is. Don't even know it. And it hit me. Satan's strategy is to keep it intentionally murky, out of reach, so that you'll never, ever feel like you're good. He keeps it out of reach, undefined. You never, if you don't know what a good mom is, you'll never achieve it. Therefore, you'll always believe his lie. Don't hold yourself to an undefined standard. The handle of salvation protects us from minds from lies. How does being saved, being a Christian, protect you from the lie that you're just not good enough? Well, let's just think about it for a second. Would Jesus go to the cross and die and be resurrected, take away the sins of someone who wasn't good enough? No, his actions showed that you are good enough, that he valued you, that he loves you, and that he sees such worth in you that he would go to the cross to save you because he believes you are good enough. Jesus is not sitting there with his arm folded, scowl on his face saying, man, you just screwed up too. You just are terrible. That's not the voice of the Son of God. That's the voice of Satan. The one who gives you strength to do what you can't do in your own power. Now this is what I found in my walk with Christ. I wanna pass this along to you. This isn't me speaking as a pastor, this is me speaking as a Christian to, to some others. This is what I found. The Holy Spirit doesn't give you the strength to always be successful. If you think that Jesus is gonna make you successful at everything, you're wrong. He's not, okay? The Holy Spirit has not given me the strength to be a pro basketball player. I don't have a six foot vertical, I can't shoot, I can't pass, but other than that, I'm pretty good. You know? uh, but that's not what this scripture means, that, he, that you can do everything through him again. That's not what that means. He doesn't give you the strength to be successful. He gives you the strength to be faithful. He doesn't give you the, the strength to be successful. He gives you the strength to be faithful. 
faithful. See, our job is to be faithful to what he wants us to do. The results are up to him. Your job as a mom is to be faithful to be a mom. Your kids, the results of your kids, that's up to God. It's your job to be faithful, right? Our job is to be faithful. Moms, your kids won't turn out like you want them to. They won't. They're human beings. And guess what? They got your DNA. You didn't turn out like your parents wanted you to either. No one does. Even God as a father, his kids, Adam and Eve, didn't turn out like he wanted them to be. And he's the perfect father. Okay, it's not an exact science. Your job is not to deliver results. Your job is to be faithful to what God wants you to do. That's it. He gives you the strength to be faithful, not to be successful. Okay, be faithful to the role of mother. It's my job to be faithful to the role of pastor, not to be successful but to be faithful, and God gives the strength to be faithful, all right? When Satan whispers, you're just not good enough, counter by saying, it's not my job to be good, it's my job to be faithful. And when you set your heart on being faithful, the lie, you're just not good enough, fades away. See, Satan wants you focused on the results. He doesn't want you focused on your faithfulness. He wants you focused on things outside of your control. He actually wants moms focused on the actions of human beings that she can't control. What greater way to convince you you're a failure than focus you on things you, have no, you don't have the strength to do? Let's place the word good with faithful. Okay, let's do this, this this morning. You can't be a good mom, you can be a faithful mom. I can't be a good pastor, I can be a faithful pastor. I can't be a good friend, but I can be a faithful friend. I can't be a good Christian, but I can be a faithful Christian. Stay faithful, church, and leave the results up to God. Don't believe the lie. Okay, truth number two. The world isn't against you. Romans 8.31 says this, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? The helm of salvation protects us from this lie as well. You are saved. You have been baptized and Jesus has taken your sins away and done away with them forever. It really doesn't matter who likes you and who doesn't. It really doesn't. I've heard it well said that God plus you equals a majority. Have the faith in God to release this wrong thought that it's you against the world, because it's not. One of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is peace. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentle self-control, peace. The gift of the Holy Spirit is that you are at peace with whether people like you or not. You are at peace with whether somebody excludes you or doesn't. You're at peace with that because you know that God is for you, okay? There are people that don't like you. That's their problem, says the person at peace with the Holy Spirit who is saved. <clears throat> you know, God plus you equals a majority, so quit worrying about it. You'll find, unless you're a mass murderer or something like that, that most people don't have a problem with you. They really don't. Now, if you're actively doing things that make people hate you, like you're lying or you're, or you're gossiping or insulting people or cheating or committing adultery or, or stealing, well, well, I can't help you there. You're, you, that, that, there's a reason people don't like you. So as a church, I want to call you back to repent from that sin and repent of that sin and be cleansed, and you'll find out that people are not against you. Here's the truth. God is enough. I want everyone to say that. God is enough. Say it with me. God is enough. Okay. I want to suggest something to you. There's a thing called godly contentment. Godly contentment. Godly contentment is a state where you are, where we are, that if God did nothing for you, from this point forward, 
other than forgive your sins and ensure a, your, your eternal life in heaven and provide the Holy Spirit to walk with you daily, his fellowship. If God did nothing else for you, you would be happy. If God never gave you that promotion that you think you deserve, if God never, for, for you single people that want a spouse so bad, if he, never, if he never sent you a spouse, if you want to be a parent so bad and, and God never gives you, you'd be perfectly fine because of what Jesus has done. God is enough. If God is for me, who can be against me? And when you come to the point that you believe God is enough, you cease the desire for people's approval. God doesn't just save you. The Bible tells us that God adopts us. Now, what do you call someone that is adopted? What do you call a girl who's adopted? A daughter, right? What do you call a, a boy who's adopted? A son. And so when God adopts us, what do you call the child of the king? The heir to the throne. So, so when you walk into school to, um, tomorrow, you walk into work and people reject you, so what? They're rejecting an heir of God. They're, re they're rejecting someone that Jesus loves so much that he went to the cross and died. You can walk in with your head held high because God plus you equals a majority. It is not the world against you. People who say God, enough, God is enough are at peace with whatever opinions people have of them. We live for God's approval and not people. Find your satisfaction in God alone, people. And you'll find the world is not against you. The world isn't against you. Don't believe the lie. And the third truth is that God works all things to good. The lie is there's no way out. The Bible says the truth is that God works everything to good. Romans 8.28, we know that in all things, how many things? All things. Some things? No, all things. It, it, did, did you actually say all things? All things. That's 100%. God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Whatever you're going through, whatever happens, God is working it to your good. See, it's a whole lot easier to believe the lie from Satan that there's no way out. It's a whole lot easier than to believe that God is going to work for good because the lie is immediate and the truth is eventual. I want to suggest a shift if this is a lie that Satan's telling you, I want you to counter it with this. When Satan says there's no way out, I want you to respond with, I don't need a way out. I just need to get tonight. Get, I need to get to tonight. When you're in crisis, when you're dealing with grief, you've lost a loved one, you have, you're experiencing the consequences of your sin, or, 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 or you're in a situation that you didn't call for, you didn't deserve, but somebody is just, just making your life. When you are in crisis, it's very easy to believe that things will always be this way. I know, I know. When my wife and I lost our son back in 2004, I know exactly how it feels to, that, to, to be grieving and think that your world is over and that God has forsaken you. I understand that more than you know. But what I found was this. I didn't need a way out. I needed to get to tonight, because the word, the truth, Lamentations 3, 22 through 24, says that because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his mercies never fail. They are new every morning. When are they new? In the morning, okay? So if there's new strength and new mercy and new hope every morning, the only thing we have to do is get to tonight till bedtime and we go to sleep and in the morning there is new mercy and new hope and new strength. I have lived it and I know it to be true. But what Satan will do is say that there's nothing coming up. There's no way out. 
It's never going to be better. And I want you to stop believing that lie right now. God is working it to the good. God wants you to have faith. Satan doesn't want you to have faith. He wants you to think that God will never move, that God is not active, that he's powerless or unwilling to do anything about it. And that's a lie from the father of lies. The three lies that Satan gives us is that you're just not good enough. Everyone's against you. And there's no way out. And if you are listening to those this morning, I want to, I want to tell you that those are lies. You're believing false information. And you may be, may be on the way to making a terrible series of decisions because you're basing your actions on lies. The 23rd Psalm, you guys, is a powerful passage. Seems like we only hear it at funerals. Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. I, I, I'm loving the imagery of that. You guys have been to a funeral, probably heard that. Well, it says that he prepares a table before me in the midst of my enemies. He invites us to a meal. Now, who do you invite to your table? You invite friends, right? Invite people that you want to interact with. That's what God is calling you today. He's asking you to his table to sit down in the midst of all the calamity, in the midst of all the stress, in the midst of all the anxiety, all the depression. He is asking you to come eat a meal with him. And it gets even better. It says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The image is a shepherd, a sheep, and a rod and a staff. The staff is for leadership, it's for pulling you back from the precipice, pulling you back from the brink. It's, it's, it's st stopping the sheep from going into the rushing water, pulling you back. It's for prodding you to go over where the food is. That's what the staff is, it's leadership, it's guidance, protection. The rod, that is for the lion and the bear. That's to fight off the enemy that's coming to kill you and destroy you. The Bible says that Satan wants to steal and kill and destroy, and that is what the rod is for. So rest assured, when you go to bed tonight, God, he's using the rod to keep away your enemies. When you wake up in the morning, he is fighting off the lion and the bear because that's what the 23rd Psalm says. He's got you. God has got you. This is God we're talking about. You say, well, Dave, I hear that, but what if it's just not true? What if I am really not good enough? What, what, what if everyone really does hate me? What, what if there is no way out? What if that's true? Well, the Bible says you prepare a table for me. It means that he wants to eat a meal with you. How do we know his voice? How do we know if it's the voice of God or the voice of Satan speaking to us? Human beings have an amazing ability to discern voices. Children, children, apparently, infants, show preference for their mothers and their fathers' voices that they heard when they were in the womb. I know when I was playing sports, all of the noise from the sideline, I could hear mom and dad's voice, I could pick them out, because I knew their voices, because I had sat at tables with them how do, we under, how do we discern God's voice? We sit at the table. 
We sit at the table in the midst of the stress. We sit at the table in the midst of the anxiety, of the problems, of the issues, and we listen to his voice. And so when the voice speaks to us, impersonating God, we can discern. We know the voice of God. I invite the band to come on back up. I wanna invite you today, you who are worried, who are harassed, who are helpless, who are, who are feeling the weight of this world on you, I'm gonna invite you to sit at God's table that he has prepared for you and listen to his voice. The one that says, you are good enough. The world isn't against you and there's always a way out.